I'm Jess McCauley, and I'm a theater maker, and I am also an introvert. And I'm Phil Rickaby. I'm a writer and performer, and I'm also an introvert. And this is The Introvert's Guide to... introverts guide to we talk about the introvert life and how to live it to the fullest we'll choose a topic and discuss it as well as try to find other helpful hints on social media and on the internet at large and if you want to drop us a line we would love to hear from you you can find us on twitter and instagram at introvert guide to the number two and you can find the website at introvertsguide2.com if you want to send us a message, you can do that through the website, or you can email us at stuff at gmail.com. And remember, we may use your questions or comments on an upcoming episode of The Introvert's Guide too. And if you like the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a comment and a five-star rating. Your comments and ratings help new people find this show, but even better. Whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you know someone that you think might like The Introvert's Guide too, tell them about it. Some of our favorite podcasts became our favorites because someone we know told us about them. We asked for people to ask some questions. If there were questions they wanted answered, um, that we would uh, talk about them and try to find some answers for them. Mm-hmm. So should we just should we just jump in? Let's just get right in there. All right. Our first question. How do I get to be more confident when I'm putting my hand up in class or even just to talk to someone new? You know, I remember <laughs> I remember going into my first lecture hmm. in in post secondary and I remember it was like 3 300 people. It's packed. And I remember the professor asked a question and without even thinking, my hands sort of shot up and I didn't re- like, I think I was just so excited that I was ready. I, I knew I came prepared, but I didn't, I wasn't conscious of my anxiety that would come through mm-hmm. meanwhile, trying to answer the question. But I walked away from that moment actually saying, you know, I kind of wish I approach every situation like that now. Just just being confident and knowing that I have something I need to share. Now, I don't I don't mean to say that that's the only thing that you should you should do for this is just be confident. <laughs> just just do it. But it is just as a reminder that you know this isn't a standard social situation. Mm-hmm. This is an experience for you that that is something for you to engage in some critical work. Yeah. Um, and putting your hand up in class is a challenge, uh, but it is one I do hope that that you know that is such a vital part of being in a class in a class situation. It's true. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna divide my part of the answer into two because we ha- kind of have two questions. Yeah, here. fair enough. Uh, in class and talking to somebody new. I know that in class, depending on the class, I hated to put my hand up. If it was an English class or a history class, I knew the answer. I knew I knew the answer. I didn't have a problem putting my hand up. Mm-hmm. If there was, if it was a class in which I had any kind of doubt or, um, so basically math, um, 
I, uh, I, there's no way in hell I would ever put my hand up. For me, it was more about, like, I knew I knew the answer in English class, and I put my hand up. And that's not particularly helpful here, I know, but chances are there are circumstances for you when you're in class that you do know the answer, and you know you know the answer. And if you know you know the answer, put your hand up. Doesn't you don't even have to worry. You don't have to. You don't usually. You don't even have to talk for a long time. Just give your answer. And don't let if you have anxiety, don't let that get the better of you and ramble. Just give the answer, and you're done. Mm-hmm. And just make sure, like, if you're going to put your hand up and you know the answer, as soon as you put your hand up, start rehearsing what you're going to say in your brain. <laughs> No, it's so true. <laughs> On the other hand, talking to somebody new, as I say that, I have my, my palms are sweaty and I feel a little anxiety. I don't know why. I got but... a chill up my arm. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, oh, talking to somebody new. How do you do that? I know. Like, that is not something I will just jump into with confidence. <laughs> no. You know, I, you know I, I'm just thinking now of uh, when I was younger and I was working at this amusement-ish park in Ontario. It was Ontario place back when there was an Ontario place. And they used to have these, since it was mostly young people who worked there and there was a summer job, they would have these mixers and these social events. And I knew this one guy, they would have like these, these dances once a month and we'd go to the dances and I'd be like, I hate being at these things. Yada, yada. And he'd be like, I'm going to go and talk to people. And he would literally go and like say hello to every woman in there because he was like, I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Whatever. And he was not a particularly cool guy, but he was funny and he didn't have a problem just talking to people. And I was like, I don't know how you do this. I think you're an alien. Yeah. I'd say Good grief. Um, in terms of like, how do you talk to somebody new? Think about circumstance. Are you just walking up to somebody in a coffee shop? Are you walking up to somebody in a, in a spot where you may not be welcome, think about the, the context and the place where you're at. Because um, sometimes if you see somebody in a coffee shop that looks interesting and they're reading a book, I know I wouldn't take that very well. Mm-hmm. I would not like that. Don't bother me when I'm reading. But if there are circumstances where you are, where there's the, it, the, the, the talking to somebody is expected or, or welcoming, like say, for example, first day of class, and they say, turn to the person to your left and introduce yourself. That can be stressful for, for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so if that's the kind of situation where you might get stressed, just introduce yourself, say your name, let them say their name, and then ask them about themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You don't you don't need to go full full on into your life story. You don't right. need to really put yourself into a vulnerable situation. Just protect yourself and only give what you feel is deemed appropriate. Yeah, and remember, one of our strengths as introverts is listening. Mm-hmm. So put yourself in a position where you can listen. Ask a question. And then ask another one. And if they ask you a question, answer it. But let that flow. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, that that might be a good way to get into that. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, don't don't get too um, caught up in it. Does this sound right? What should I mm-hmm. say next? Just absolutely allow yourself to go with the conversation. And if it dies down, it dies down. Don't force anything after that. That was a good question. That was a good first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's here's one. I keep feeling like I'm getting into hermit mode all the time. How can I avoid that while still being my own introvert self? I'm kind of remembering when we went back, uh, we were doing our, um, uh, we were talking about friendship circles and Mm -hmm. we were, we were advising that we be very clear on who we are closest with, who we deem close friends, acquaintance, friendly acquaintance. If I want to get out of like my, my hermit mode, because I, I find I do that all the time, especially now when we are, you know, if you're in Ontario, it is a province wide lockdown. There is nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, but I would say that I still need to allot time to maybe check in on people. But, but with that mm-hmm. being said, being intentional with your time day to day on, on a weekly basis, monthly, bit, however you want to frame it, I think you'll find that time in, in in the val in the relationships that you value the most. If you feel that you haven't interacted with somebody in a long time and you know, you could go on further with like a longer stretch of time, I would say that's a good time to maybe just reach out and say hi to somebody that you, that you love just one person. Let the conversation spark. If, if you feel that I find it's whenever we allow ourselves to get more comfortable that we don't allow ourselves to actually go and talk to somebody. But meanwhile, we're missing out on important times with uh, conversations with the people that we love the most. Um, and, and you can still do that while honoring your introverted self. Absolutely. Just because you're not, we would not, we would be the last people to say, go out as often as possible. See as many people as you can. Make sure that you're socializing all the time. That is not what this show's about. We're, I, love my hermit time. I love it. And the people, there are a few people for whom I give up my hermit time, my girlfriend and some friends. Um, But I always make sure that I am connecting with the people that I feel are the most important to me. Mm -hmm. I have a, we've mentioned before, I have a, a reminder app that I, that I schedule when I, weeks like here's this week I'm going to contact this person and I don't give a date for it. I just say this week mm-hmm. and I contact that person just, and it's just often it's just a hello. That's all it needs to be is a, Hey, I was thinking about you. How you doing? Oh yeah. And you, you know what? You never know how much that person might appreciate that. And that's just what can deepen the relationship more is mm. you're really showing that that person that you care. Right. I know that I enjoy my hermit time just as much and it is a, it can sometimes feel like an arduous task reaching out to somebody, but at the same token though, the reality of the situation is, is that I am human and I still need these connections and these people do mean something to me. And, and like Phil said, I I will echo it. You do not have to give your time to anybody and everybody it's not fair of yourself and it's not fair to the people that are closest to you because now they're only getting half of you, right? I, I find it's just important to allot that time to who needs it the most from you. 
do as much as you can. But, you know, especially these days, since we're in a position here in a lot of places in the world where we can't go out and visit with people, it's a perfect excuse mm. right now. And, you know, I know a lot of people who were feeling like they might be ambiverts who are leaning more into their into their introvert nature. And that's 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 wonderful. It's fine. Um, when it's all over, we're going to have to shake the dust off of our social selves and go out now and then so that we don't completely hermit. But sometimes, you know, you don't have to go out all the time and you just have to say hello. And if somebody says, do you want to go for coffee? Go for coffee. Just understand, like, there's nothing that says that you have to go out to large group things. You know, it's just, it can be you, it can be one-on-one. And if your friends are your friends, they probably know that about you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Next question. So here's an interesting one that came in. I'm studying to be a hairdresser. I really love my job, but it's not the perfect profession when it comes to my social skills and everyday introvert problems. What can I do to get better at communicating, small talk, etc.? I have an introverted hairdresser. And do you? Do I, you? I do. I do. Um, sh- okay, so when I when when I did when I was going to see her, uh, she knew that she didn't have to talk. She knew that it was just her job, just to cut the hair get it done. And that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm in and out. I did have this conversation with her a little while ago about how she navigated the clients that do want to come and see her. And this is their, their therapy. You know, this is where they, they go to feel their best and, and they want to talk. And, you know, our uh, particular salon offers coffee, tea. And, uh, at some points they, they were doing like these, um, um, they were doing glasses of wine at one point. Um, obviously the situation calls for socializing. What she would do is she actually had little notes about each of her clients and those were her little building blocks of small talk. So she knew that one client had, was obsessed with their dogs and they, and they love doing yoga. So she would know that she can make small talk about that. Uh, for herself, uh, when it comes to how she prefers to how much, or sorry, let me start that sentence again. When it comes to her own social skills, she is at work. So to bring it back to you, you are at a job. You don't have to be everybody's friend. You just have to be pleasant. You just have to make the situation good, a good overall situation. And your job is not to get in there and and change somebody's life, get into the in-depth conversations. You don't have to do that. Um, And I know for us introverts, we want to, but we do it with select people. With your clients, maybe it's best just to keep that communication just at a minimum and let them take the lead. They came to you for a good time. You just go ahead and let them let them give you the clues for those conversations. Mm. You know, I have not been to a barber in several years. Mm. Um, last time I went to a barber was, I think, a year ago. I went because I thought I would treat myself to a hot towel and a beer trim. But I hated going to the barber. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not, when I say that I haven't been to the barber, it's because I shave my head. For those who don't know, I don't have a full head of hair. But when I did, I hated going to the barber. And it was because they always had so much to say about nothing. Mm. And I remember even when I was a kid and I would go to the hairdresser, my, my dad would always comment that I look like I'm angry. And I wasn't angry, but I had already learned um, a defensive facial expression <laughs> when uncomfortable. And having somebody, you know, cutting my hair, standing, looming over me, in fact, essentially, cutting my hair and um, making this small talk was unpleasant. Oh, yeah. That said, if I knew that a hair salon was an introvert friendly place i would go Ooh, you know she does do men's touch-ups well <laughs> men's t- like men's touch-up like I, there's not much to touch up on top of my head i'm just saying like <laughs> it, when i was going if, if if there was a place that was an introvert friendly hair salon or barber i would give them my life's business <laughs> because too many places they have that that annoying small talk and 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 things like that you should i mean one thing that you might do and i don't know if your salon can do this is when people book they find out what kind of level of 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 communication they want mm. you know do you want a silent hair haircut that might be a question that's you not know? a bad idea. And if I, if, if I, if, if when I called up the barber or the hair salon to say that I wanted an appointment and they said, would you prefer a silent haircut? I would be like, yes, I would. And I would love it. I would love that they asked me the question. They'd be getting five stars on Google reviews for that alone from me. I don't usually leave Google reviews, but I would for them. <laughs> I, if I didn't know any better, Phil, it sounded like you were about to give a clap answer there. Were you clapping? I was clapping. <laughs> I was clapping. That's how enthusiastic I am about that particular thing. Because I always felt when I was going to the barber that it was pretty much, tor- it was torment. I hated it. <laughs> Every time, eh? It's so Every bad. You sit down and somebody's like, so how about that weather? And you're like, oh, sh- shoot me. Oh, I know. You know something? When I found my hairdresser, like she's been, she did my hair at my wedding. She is my locked in for life hairdresser. I I get it. I get that feeling. When you find someone that just works with you, absolutely. But I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Is that why you are bald? No, that is not why I'm bald. That is not why I'm bald. I will tell you, I will tell you why I chose to shave my head. Okay. Um, around the time that I was 23, I noticed that my hairline was receding mm-hmm. significantly. And at around the time when I was 26, 25, 26, I decided that there was no turning back from this. This was going to happen. I had two options for my future. I could shave my head or start cultivating a comb over. And I made the better choice and decided to shave my head. Oh, oh, I, okay. I get it. The comb over was, 
Thank you for, thank you. Yes. And I mean, this is because I was looking at genetics. I looked at both my grandfathers Mm -hmm. and there was no hope for me. Oh, I, you know what? I'm absolutely waiting for it. I've got it coming soon in in terms of it's already kind of started, but my hair color will also fade. Unfortunately. No, it will. You can put it in a wash. Just, just, you know, put it in a wash. But you know what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to actually dye it a really intense color when it does happen because I've never done any of that to my hair before ever. Oh, oh yeah. I see. You're going to, oh. you're going to like make a really bold choice so that it's like something that you never did because you liked your, your red hair to remain its purest self. Absolutely. And I have had my eye on a navy blue. <laughs> oh, very, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right. I am. These are good questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Next. I am part of a rugby team in the UK and find myself going from loving the team energy and playing the sport to getting mega anxiety and putting myself into the social situations that come with team bonding. I'm not shy, but love to have deep conversations. Sometimes this feels impossible in a team environment. Any suggestions? Oh boy. <laughs> I feel like the only way I can really translate the team bonding experience of a group is, is I don't know about you, Phil, but theater. Mm-hmm. Like um, before we jumped into that, the only reason I would, I would start by saying the reason why it start it feels impossible is because it is. <laughs> you cannot have that deep conversation in a large group. Mm-mm, no. Absolutely not. That that just sounds like a lot of interruptions. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a whole bunch. Uh, someone's going to get disinterested, distract somebody else, and then it's just going to break up into smaller groups. It, it's just mm-hmm. never going to happen. Um, I'm not really certain you... I, I mean, where would you go with this? <laughs> so, I mean, here's what I would say. And I, I'm going to... I'm going to bring a, a theater situation into this. And in theater, often we find ourselves in these group situations. There's a lot of hubbub and a lot of talking. A lot of sound and fury signifying nothing in order to, to, to quote Shakespeare. Basically, lots of bullshit. In those situations, I don't linger long. I treat them like I do a party. And I will, I mean, I will say hello. And I would disappear as soon as I can. <laughs> um, because in those situations, it is very difficult to have a conversation. Um, it, I'm imagining that in a rugby team, you guys are going out to the pub after a game or after a practice. Which, again, that's not conducive to deep conversations. If you find yourself sitting with with someone and you can launch into a into a deep conversation, do it, but don't be offended if that conversation fades. Yeah, I mean they don't want to be I and I, I don't mean to say they don't want to be talking about that all night not not at all, but what I am saying is that there is a whole group of people. Mm-hmm. Many interactions are going to happen. And so keep it quick. Um, and, and just, and absolutely, you know what, Phil actually said it quite well. Don't be offended. Yeah. We hate small talk, but a large group is basically that it's after a certain point, you can only do small talk. 
decide if there's a small talk topic that you can handle. Think of the topic and throw it out into the group at some point. So it's not just you sitting quiet, but also don't feel like you have to participate. Oh, yeah, just absolutely. Just be the observer for a bit. If somebody asks you a question directly, I'll obviously answer, but don't feel like you are having to perform for everybody else just because they, they're making a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And you're not obligated to stay long if you, if you end up going out with them afterwards. Mm-hmm. You can have that one drink and then you can, you can go if you like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as, as we know, sometimes uh, introverts become a little more extroverted after a couple of drinks. But if that is not your thing, or perhaps if, if you, like me, don't drink, you've been seen around round two, make your exit. <laughs> because after round three, they won't notice. Oh my gosh, Phil. There would be just a, a dust trail of like, or just, you know, one of those, like the road runner, you can see yep. where, yeah, that's you. That is But listen, I have you. had years, I've had years of practice. I know at what point to leave after which nobody notices that I've gone. <laughs> you know, just with this pandemic, I haven't been to a party in a very long time. And all mm-hmm. I just keep thinking about is I don't know how I am anymore at parties. Uh, I have nobody no, does. Nobody knows. And no, you know what episode idea when this pandemic is over, mm-hmm. Phil and Jess go to a party. Well, I think we're going to have to revisit parties because we're going to have to learn how to do it because after this is all over, everybody's only going to remember how to deal with people on a Zoom interaction. Yeah, it's going to be so weird going to like an in-office meeting. Whoa. Yeah, I don't <sighs> neither do i (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness okay um okay here's a new one i'm going to visit my grandparents stay over a few days and i feel kind of anxious whenever visiting relatives since i don't really know how to engage in conversations with them or what we can do spending time together i just feel like i'm a very boring person it sucks So do you guys have any advice on how to interact with people in your family without being completely awkward? Well, I will have you know, I am the most awkward person in my family. (laughs) And I wear it on my sleeve. I Mm. am very unapologetic about that. (laughs) I absolutely do. I I will full out admit it. Uh, With that being said, our family dynamics are going to be different than yours. Uh, as as they would be with any family. I would say that you can come in with being your, you are invited to be yourself. Phil and I are not going to tell you, you know, you should try being this person. You should try acting this way. If you are a, a quirky person and you just, you, you have interests that maybe are different from others, be that person. That is okay. I do not like hanging around people that I can tell you're you're putting on a show for me. You don't need to do that for anyone, especially for your family. Be prepared to talk about the things that interest you and and engage them in conversation with the things that interest them. Uh, I, I wish I could give you more on it, uh, but really it just comes right down to if you don't know what to say, go to your room for a moment. Take a breath, take a couple of minutes just to collect yourself, 
uh, we we've had a couple of uh, we've had a couple of times where we've said you can go to the washroom a few times if you like. You don't have to stay with them and force the conversation. I think there's there's a certain amount of of discomfort often when we're visiting, say, grandparents. Often when we're adults, we don't see grandparents that often, um, and you know the, it's different dealing with them than it is dealing with our peers or even our parents. I know when my grandmother was still alive, my language when I would visit would become very, much more formal. It was like suddenly I was on an episode of Downton Abbey or something as soon as I went to visit her. But I don't know if your grandparents are at all like my grandparents, but mine had pictures on the walls. And one thing that you could do is, you know, if there's a picture on the wall of family members you don't recognize, you could say, Grandma, who's that? Or if there's, if it's a picture of a situation, when was this picture taken? Start the conversation by asking questions. And, you know, if it's, you might be learning something about your family history that you didn't know. Let the conversation flow from there. Just find ways to, again, for for anything that's like social, I'm pretty much always going to default to how can I get to the point where I can ask a question and let the other person begin to talk. It's the natural interviewer in you. It is, but it's also the natural introvert because I'm a much better listener. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, but I definitely think that with grandparents, especially, um, because sometimes the relationship is more formal with grandparents. There's a certain amount of, of, especially when you're, when you're a grown up, when you're a grown person, not quite knowing how to interact with them. And that's why I would default to questions until I figure it out. Or if they have books on their, on their, on their shelves, ask about a book. If they seem to be collecting something, ask about that. Um, I had, you know, I know people whose, whose grandparents collect spoons, you know, when they travel somewhere, they collect one of those commemorative spoons and they put them on the wall or whatever. And ask about those. When did you get that? When were you, when were you in, 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 in Florence, you know, whatever it happens to be, let them tell you stories and you'll probably be fascinated by what you might learn about your family history. Phil, you never cease to amaze me. Why? Thank you. <laughs> this is going to be our last question from the collection. I introvert hate going out, but my boyfriend extrovert loves to. For the most part, being an introvert, dating an extrovert is great, but My party-living extrovert loves to drag me out to bars and parties, and I'm miserable the whole time. But if I don't go, I feel like a worthless piece of shit. What do I do? Step number one, don't ever call yourself that again. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. You are who you are. There is no apology for that. My my mom is is a counselor. And one of the things that she often tells people is... What you say is what you think is what you become. Never call yourself a worthless piece of shit. Do not think of yourself that way. You are not a worthless piece of shit under any circumstances. Absolutely. No. And you know what? Refer to our affirmations episode Mm -hmm. because I feel like that is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just so many times we have introverts that message us and they felt so out of place and they didn't feel like they, they were really finding out who they were. And I, I'm not just saying this to, to boast, 
to boast the show, but it's so awesome to see introverts claiming who they are, saying, I know more about myself now. Mm. I, I have an idea of what I like and what I don't like. How on earth can that be a terrible thing for somebody, right? Mm. For you, I, you know, I'm, I'm married to an extrovert. And for him and I, it was this little tango where we had to, to balance going out, staying in, going out, staying in. And, and I joke about it, that it scares me when he asks me what I want to do for the weekend. And at the beginning of our relationship, we were out a lot. Like we, we were out with friends, we were, we were partying a lot. And then eventually we stayed in for long periods of time. And then from there, we had to work with each other to figure out how we can balance each other's needs and, and balance each other's social needs. Eventually, what it came down to is he understood that I can't do parties. I, I can't do bars. I can't do these things. Or at the very least, I can't do them often. So it had to come down to, listen, you are free to go to a party without me. You do not need me. If he, I don't, sorry, I don't mean to assume a gender here. If they, if they are absolutely adamant that they want to go out, I think you need to have that discussion in your relationship that your needs are different. They're, they have full autonomy. They can go on without you. And they are invited to come and do something that you enjoy. Does that make sense? It absolutely does make sense. I would say that the the number one thing that is going to be necessary for this relationship is communication. Mm-hmm. If you're If you're going out to these social events and you are miserable... I'm quite certain that your that your boyfriend does not want you to be miserable. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to need to find a way to broach the topic and talk about what your needs are here um, and to try to find some kind of balance in the way that, that, that Jess mentioned. Um, I know a couple years ago when they started dating, they're married now, but they found uh, they've, they found a way so that they could just, you know, they loved their time together. But she loved going out to bars and, 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 and clubs and, and hanging out with her friends or going to parties. And he did not. Mm-hmm. And once that became clear, he would stay home and she would go out. And it worked for them. But it only worked because they were able to talk about it. It only worked because he was able to say, I... Don't, I'm, I don't like going out. I don't like going into those situations. I'm not comfortable. Please don't make me. And it also is a matter of trust for as well, right? Like some people might be of the mind, well, you can't let your partner go to a bar by themselves. Why not? They love you. You love them. Your relationship has to be built on trust. Absolutely. And... You and you're going to have to trust them to have the conversation. Um, it's okay to not go if it makes you miserable. And although I understand the sentiment, if you first off, you are not a worthless piece of shit, but if there is something that somebody is doing that is making you feel like one, that needs to be addressed and it has to stop because you are not. You're here. Absolutely. And that's, that's going to be a defining conversation. Yes, it is. Absolutely will be. 
But I mean, that's that kind of conversation, the, the, you know, what do I need conversation is almost always going to be a defining conversation. Because mm-hmm. you're going to figure out who the person you're having that conversation is. Oh, absolutely. You find out a lot about who somebody is when you lay down a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember, the the whole thing is that you're feeling miserable when you go to these things. And that's no way to be in a relationship. Did 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 we learn anything today? <laughs> um I it's not that I didn't necessarily learn anything. Um, what I did recognize in myself is that I am a lot more confident than what I used to be, hmm. which is a great feeling. Uh, but I do want to just put a little a little thing out there for, for you folks listening. Phil and I love getting your mail. We love getting your questions and we love talking about them, uh, putting them up on our board to talk about and just want to... I just want to put a, a little bit of encouragement out there for those of you that that listen faithfully to us is that we really appreciate it. And if you ever need something from us, if you if you have more ideas about the show, uh, you have more questions, please reach out. I, I I love getting the notification from you, Phil, that we we've got more mail. Like it's, exactly, it is such a great feeling. So yeah. I let this be the episode that says, come on over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Come on over. We, we love, like, like Jess said, we love getting your messages and we love, cause they often give us some great ideas for future episodes. So even if it's just a thank you for, for making the show, but if you have a question, we love that too. Whatever you want to send us, we love it. 